Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. What up, Get Up Nation? My name is Ben Biddick, the host of the Get Up Nation podcast and co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance, a former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Lurong Living, Adam Greenberg. It's been said that an army marches on its stomach. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with a renowned butcher named Jason Noward, who fills the stomachs of those fighting the war on terror, including the 10th Special Forces Group. He's creating military members who are not merely able to nourish themselves in austere environments and prevent foodborne illness, He's creating military members who fuse their passion with service and enjoy creating meals in the field of unparalleled quality. He also serves as a consultant to civilian organizations that desire butcher-based menu development, in-house charcuterie development, recipe development, wild game butchering and cooking services, and curing at home. With more than 35 years of experience and certification through the Rocky Mountain Institute of Meat, Jason Noward is transforming the image of the Army cook from a soldier in charge of mass meal production into passionate leaders who take great pride in serving America's noble servicemen and service women with food that fuels them toward mission completion. Thank you, Jason, for taking time to talk with me on the Get Up Nation podcast. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. You have experience in a number of different career fields. Uh, will you share how being a butcher became your passion? Just growing up hunting and fishing, it kind of turned into more of a passion when I guess you could say I was pushed this way, this direction, just based on skills that other people were seeing and knowledge that I had and this, that, and the other. A couple friends of mine, they're, they're retired military, and the husband wanted to learn how to go turkey hunting and archery elk hunt which turned into doing weekly meals with them, which turned into doing a couple cooking classes, which turned into me going to the Rocky Mountain Institute of Meat and realizing, you know what, I'm really good at this, and I really, really enjoy it more than anything I've ever done. Even, you know, I love law enforcement, don't get me wrong, but I think I, I, I love this more than anything. Susan Fletcher wrote that you're a central figure in the renaissance of the field of butchering in Colorado. Will you share how your field and your influence is impacting the culinary world today? My overall goal is to inspire people to look at culinary, not on just the level of what you see on TV. I want people to be inspired culinary on all levels, from the farm itself, how animals are raised, to how animals are treated pre-slaughter, post-slaughter, and... Mm how butchers really bring a bigger part of the game. They say it's a, a lost and dying art, and in some ways I agree, in other ways I disagree, because there's guys like me and uh, Jared Standing in L.A. There, there's just a whole group of us that are really pushing to open people's eyes to the world of butchery and how important it is for us, you know, how important to the culinary industry it is. How do I describe it? Working with the military has really given me an opportunity to 
get past, and I'm going to be a little controversial here. Um, I find that in the in the chef world, it's all about ego. For the, in a, in a, it's kind of a sweeping generalization, but it's all about ego and you know how many James Beard awards you have. But what I find working with the military guys and gals is there's no ego. They're a, they're there to learn a skill and use utilize that skill while they're in the military. So I kind of took that mold and I said, you know what? Let's build let's build it upon it even bigger. Why can't we teach them to use the skill when they get out, when their contract's up or they get injured or whatever happens? And I see a lot of that. I, I, I just completed a class with 10th group, and I've got another class with 3rd group next month. And every time I do a class, I find myself having a, almost every student in that course come to me and say, hey, when I get out, can I come work with you? Or while I'm in, you know, if, if you have something going on, I'll just be a helping hand because butchery isn't what I thought it was. This is way cool. Beyond the, the cooking, a lot of chefs have no clue what to do with a whole animal. And I think we're under we're underlooked as far as butchers, and I try and really drive this home. Yeah, I can butcher meat all day long. But your butcher also has to know how to cook it all. I have to know how to utilize from the nose to that tail and know how each piece of meat, each muscle structure, how you need to cook it properly to have a good wholesome meal. And that's where I think the disconnect is between us and chefs. And I I bring that connection to the military especially. And it's slowly slowly catching on beyond the military now. As, As I talk about this more and more, people are like, oh, wow, he's, you know, he's right. It's not just about being able to cook a steak. It's what is it about that piece of meat, that protein? What about the fibers in it that make it rough, tough, flavorful, unflavorful? How long do I need to cook it? What does it go good with? So, yeah, I, I hope I'm inspiring people. I love that how on your website at, at jasonnower.com you describe how you want to maximize the use of the entire animal, and really, you revere and honor the animal. You received contact from Sergeant First Class Myron Billingsley a number of years ago, and he reached out to you when you were the director of the Rocky Mountain Institute of Meat. He was looking for ways to prevent foodborne illness in Special Forces soldiers who are at remote outposts across the globe. How did you partner with him to ensure the safety of these elite soldiers when it comes to their food? Yeah, I got an email, just a random email, read through it, and then kind of paid attention to who it came from. I was like, Special Forces, what's this about? And <laughs> after meeting with those guys, they were chatting about the fact that they go different places, areas of operation, and our our American stomachs aren't quite used to, <laughs> you know, other countries that don't have <laughs> the strict food regulations we have. So they were always kind of relying on either living off the MREs or living off local economies and hoping that they didn't get sick. Um, I've got a couple of retired friends, and that's all they talk about. They're like, ah, every deployment, I had dysentery. We put this plan together. I have a friend uh, named Amanda. She's a uh, food science major in uh, safety. So I chatted with her. And I chatted with uh, American Culinary Federation gals up in Denver, and we kind of just put our heads together and said, what can we do to make this happen? And so I basically put the program together, and we talked about safety and sanitation and 
when we're out in the field, we don't have all the, the special rooms and refrigeration and da, 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 how are we going to combat all that? So after a few weeks of doing all that, we did presented something. They had us tweak it a little bit. We presented it again, and I think they took it to their food safety managers, and they all looked it over and said, yeah, it looks great, and then the rest is history. Healthy fats and proteins play a vital role in having a fighting force that's able to be resilient before, during, and after missions. How much pride do you take in the reality that you help ensure some of the finest warriors on the planet operate at the height of their potential and truly affect the safety and security of our nation? I hold, to be honest, I hold tremendous pride in that. I hold it close to my heart, close to my being, who I am, and every class that I do. You know, people over time, they get in kind of into a routine, and it's just like, uh, mundane, you know, I'm going to teach the same thing, here we go, blah, 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 blah. For me, what you just described, I go into every class that I teach with the attitude and the want and the love and the passion and the need to teach all these soldiers that, and it's very, what's the word? It's very humbling. It's almost an outer body experience for me. I'm just an average kid, you know, average guy that grew up in a small town. Now I just happen to have a skill set that I had no idea people of this caliber would ever need. My full intention going into butchery, my full intention was to take the butcher class, work in a, like a Whole Foods or something for, you know, six months or a year, and then work on a business plan and open my own shop. Sure. That was my that was my intention. Sure. My intention was never to get hooked into the military and become this, I, I don't even, I hate using the word expert because I don't ever think anybody's an expert because there's always room to learn. I, I learn stuff every day, but I, I didn't know I would be where I am now. And to, the short answer is it's, it's super humbling. I hold it dearly, and I don't I don't take it for granted either. I hope what I do does keep these guys moving and rolling and, and healthier, and I, I hear positive feedback when they come back from different deployments. I, I run into them while I'm teaching a different class. They'll swing by, hey, Jason, you know, that kind of thing. It's an outer body humbling experience for me. You take MOS qualified cooks in the military, tap into their passion for cooking, and help them achieve a higher potential than just mass meal preparation. Will you share how you're helping these cooks develop their passion and exceed the standard? I started up a little program a few years ago, once again with Sergeant First Class Billingsley, uh, who just got promoted to Master Sergeant. Uh, Kudo, I mean, I'm excited for him. We talked to a a good chef friend of mine, Seamus Beely, had just opened a restaurant here in Colorado Springs, and we were trying to figure out how do we elevate the 92 golfs, the 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 cooks? How do you know? Because I I heard a lot of stories like, oh, they're just uninspired, they don't understand, they, they thought they were getting into something that isn't what they thought it was going to be in the military. So we we kind of kicked this little program off where. We're sending sold. They were sending soldiers up to the restaurant to work with Seamus and his crew, which his his sidekick happens to be a Michelin star chef. He used to work at a Michelin star restaurant. So my thought behind that was maybe if if they get out of the mundane mass cooking, not be around that for thirty or forty five days, and we get them with some inspirational people that are also extremely talented in that department, 
in the culinary department, and I'll roll my stuff into it to kind of further their education, then let's try it. So we tried it there, and then, yeah, and then Billingsley left. So we just kicked it back up with the new Sergeant First Class who's running the, the DFAC, the dining facility. They're now in two restaurants, getting ready to be a third, and then when I open, they'll be in mine. I just partnered up, up with a, a Top Chef contestant, uh, Brother Luck, local here. So he's got a guy going in. I think he's – they might be starting tomorrow or the next day. And then we go sh- meet with another chef friend of mine, and she'll take on a chef or two from the DFAC, and then another one downtown. So as far as the culinary guys, I saw an opportunity to say, hey, let's get them in these high-level kitchens and learn more about different techniques and styles and let's let's get them inspired and realize that food isn't just standing behind the line chopping onions all day for the army there there's something to look work towards you're learning a very valuable skill you're learning the basics while you're in the military so why not take some of those basics to a high level restaurant and apply them and learn even more high level techniques from a high-level chef, and hopefully, like with me, they become very inspired and say, you know what? I don't think this is such a bad gig while I'm in the military. I want to further this. So they start looking at doing culinary school after work and all that kind of stuff. We've gotten good good feedback from it. You know, a lot of these guys, when I get out, I want to be a security guard because I don't know what else to do. To, hey, I want to go work for Brother Luck. Or I want to go work for Jason, and I want to open my own place in the future. Kind of yeah, thing. I love that. I love that that transitional space where a lot of times uh, the gap there between military skills and certifications don't always flow very seamlessly into the civilian side. So for you to serve the people who are serving and give them job skills, hope, future, you know, motivation and engagement for their passion, and lead them right from their service to make the most of their service. To, to maximize yeah. their time while they're in, and then to have that that passion, that fire to say, hey, you know, I should, I'm proud of what I I'm proud of what I did in the military, and it's actually streamlining me in directly into this profession. There's job opportunities right there to seamlessly make that transition. That does so much for for military members' mental health. It does so much um, to benefit them and their families. I just love that. What what else? Yeah. Do you are you into Jason? I'm also uh, I'm a master gardener, so nice. I love growing growing my own food. So here's my end goal: I'm going to open a restaurant slash butcher shop this fall. I want to mm. take on some. Ve- I want I want at least seventy five percent of my staff to be veterans. Period. And not only there, my business partner owns quite a bit of a land. His name's Tim Peterson. And Tim said, hey, why don't we put greenhouses up on the property and start growing our own food for the restaurant? And I said, hey, why don't we do that? But we go go down to Fort Carson and have a meeting with the vocational rehab people down there. And we bring in veterans that are looking for a new path. We get them in there working in the greenhouse and I can build a rotational system and I'm kind of working with brother luck on this too. And a local pig farmer, we could develop a rotational system where these guys are in the greenhouses. We'll say for six months, 
You do six months in the greenhouse. Then we rotate you out to the farm for their pigs, chickens, turkeys, all that kind of stuff. You rotate out to their place for six months. Then you rotate into the butcher shop because that's just kind of the circle. And then you rotate into the, into the chef's kitchen. And then when all that's said and done, how about we develop a business plan based on what that veteran had the most interest in? Not everybody's going to want to cook. Not everybody's going to want to butcher. Not everybody's going to want to pig farmer. Not everybody's going to want to be a vegetable farmer. But if you got a veteran who says, I really loved the vegetable garden aspect, but none of it, none of the other, then why can't we help them go for grants that are given to veterans to build a small farm? Then once we get that built up, guess what? We're going to be buying from them. Then our community is going to grow. And I would use all my whatever media, social media, whatever you want to call it to say, hey, we just created another veteran farm. Buy your vegetables from them. So now you got other restaurants like, hey, we're supporting veterans. And then the next guy says, I want to be a butcher. But I don't really not interested in the restaurant or the farming okay, let's build a business plan, and you open my next butcher shop. We get you going, we help you get going, and we'll say after five years, after you're up and rolling and everything's running smooth, it's your butcher shop. We're done. Almost like a a short-term franchise deal, you know, just to make sure they have the tools to be successful. And once they're successful, then, hey, you know what? This is all you. Keep rolling. What are some of the benefits you see in, in hiring and working alongside veterans? What do they bring to the table when it comes to employment, when it comes to work ethic? What do you see? Everybody's eager. I found with my course, I don't know if it's just because it's new and different for them. They're very eager, eager to learn, take on eight to ten students at a time, and they're very intrigued. Like the first day, you know, everybody's nervous, not sure what to expect. Second day, everybody's kind of settling down into their groove third day they're like okay i now i want to understand the science behind it or now i really want to understand why we're doing what we're doing i think every soldier that i've talked to that i've taught previously they're they're hilarious to listen to they're like you know i i know i wasn't really into it when we first started and you know i'm like oh yeah by the end of the course you were like oh i wish this was like five days longer because you were it was starting to click for everybody but what i really like i I find funny is these i hear these stories every once in a while they're like oh i went to the grocery store and that piece of meat they labeled chuck roast i looked at it and said there's no way and hell, that's chuck roast. That's got to be rump roast because it's not marble. You know, you're calling the, the grocery store butchers out now. And he's, they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I love it. they went, yeah, because they went from, you know, I'm not too sure about this course to, wow, I really want to understand. And then at the end, they're like, I get it uh, a little above a basic line. And then they take that and run with it, which is just awesome, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, if other branches of the military or civilian organizations want to benefit from your knowledge and, and all these uh, amazing things you're doing, what are some of the services you offer to those organizations? I do, obviously, butcher training. I do dry cure, how to design a dry cure case, all the way to designing 
your floor plan for your meat program in-house, butchery and charcuterie for restaurants. We do HACCP, SSOPs, all that kind of stuff. I get inquiries from hunters. I work with Colorado Division of Wildlife. They have a rookie sportsman's program. That's for new hunters, people never hunted before. I teach them how to field dress properly. And then we do a whole cooking course on how to utilize the whole animal that they harvested, whether it's an elk, a buffalo, a deer, uh, a turkey, or a pheasant. Just the general public, I get inquiries from hunter hunters that want to learn how to really utilize their animals. So that's something else I'll do. I'll set up an in-house butchery demo, get like a whole lamb or half a hog or something. And we'll break that thing down and I'll say, granted, this isn't a deer or whatever, but all animals have the same muscle structure. And this is what you would do with your deer or your elk instead of peeling silver skin for hours to make burgers. Utilize the shanks for meals. Utilize the roast. That's the worst thing. Hunter, Most hunters just throw everything in a grinder and call it good. There's so much more to, to a deer or an elk. You know, why can't you have a rack of venison or a rack of elk? What's stopping you? Oh, it's knowledge is what's stopping people. So love to bring that knowledge to them. I always end the show, Jason, with six questions uh, to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Are you willing to run through these six quick questions with me? Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who are you thankful for today? My wife. And what are you thankful for today? My wife. How do you fuel the fire within you? Well, my wife. But beyond that, um, <laughs> I think. Just what we touched on earlier, what fuels me is wanting to bring the the taboo of butchery, take it, turn it from a taboo to an educate an educational thing for people. And the mil and honestly, most of all, the military fuels my fire. I'm constantly trying to evolve my program for them. The adversity that you've had in your life, what has that adversity taught you to value? When I got injured in Kosovo and realized that I probably wasn't going to be in law enforcement any longer, I had to realize I really held on to the fact that just because you had a plan in life doesn't mean it's going to play out that way. So you have to learn to adapt, overcome, just like, you know, that military mindset and law enforcement Mm -hmm. mindset. So I learned that it's not the end of the world. You thought you were going to, you know, like I thought I was going to be a cop till, you know, I was six years old, well, that's not what the plan was. This is what the plan was. So you accept it, you embrace it, you learn to make it work for you. And it just happened to turn into, it It ignited that flame for me. So I just, I just learned that no matter what happens in your life, no matter, no matter what happens bad in your life, that can't be your outcome. Move on, adapt to something else or look for something else. And it, it's, it's changed me in such a way that I, I uh, you know, my wife is always talking about, she's like, man, you, you know, people tell you no or this, that, and the other, and you just, you're like, whatever, and you move on. I don't listen to the negative. I want to hear the positive. Negative mm-hmm. does nobody any, anybody any good besides waste your time. So mm-hmm. you're something negative, just push it out and go find the positive and keep moving forward. Love it. What are you doing today? You never thought you could. <laughs> what am I doing today that I never thought I could? I've never been one to not ever think I couldn't do something. It goes back to the adversity thing. I, I always push forward. Love it. I guess, I don't know that I could answer that, to be honest with you. I, I never thought I'd be training 
high-level military guys. I didn't know that you could train those guys. You know, that's just something <laughs> that you don't know about yourself until you're put in that position. And right. I'm in that position now. My last question here is, what are you going to do tomorrow that you didn't think you'd be doing? When I was talking about my, my program evolving, you know, tomorrow I'm working with some high school kids that have never, never been on a farm or anything like that or seen all that kind of stuff. Once I get through that, I'm going to be back back at it in my head and on paper, advancing that, that military program to something bigger and better for beyond the, you know, the special forces guys. I, I want to, I really want to work towards the, the bigger army stuff too. get those guys going inspired. Get up nation. Check him out. Jason Nowert.com. You got to go online and see what he's doing. He's doing amazing things, taking our future forward like uh, nobody's business get behind them today. Jason, how else can people learn more about you? Uh, just go to jasonnowart.com. Jason Nowart, who adapted and overcame one adversity challenged his plan for the future. He immersed himself in what began as a hobby, and now he trains some of the most elite warriors on the planet to stay nourished and healthy in the most austere and remote locations on earth. He engages young men and women with training, but supplies more than that. He supplies them with vision of where their prior training can take them, and then opens the gate into networks where their hunger and professionalism can reach unprecedented heights. Just imagine if all of our organizations refused to be inefficient and ineffective, and took the time not only to make a profit, but make an impact. When you reach out to Jason, don't miss one of the most important lessons he has to share. That a life of service and shedding ego can take us all to places we never dreamed or imagined. It can take a nation whose audacious belief that freedom is not only possible, but essential, and create brilliance without leaving anyone behind.